Good morning. Would you all help me uh, thank Luke for uh, leading us this morning? Well, you had the incredible privilege. Yep, we're good. Got it. Thanks, man. Excuse us while we move furniture. Um, We had the privilege this morning. Good catch. Way to go. Always on his toes. Um, of singing an original song, a uh, worship song that Luke wrote just recently. Just a few days ago, Luke wrote that third song. We sang out of Psalms um, 117, I believe it was. Um, so I told him when he you know, starts making a lot of money for you know, selling CDs and all that kind of stuff, it's all got to come to Epic first, and we get the royalties and all that stuff, because this was the place that he learned that song, wrote that song. Um, good to see you. Glad that you're here today. Uh, We are in week three. It's hard to believe uh, that we are week three of our journey together. It feels like we've been doing this for about three weeks now. Um, So, so, uh, you know, we got a a long way uh, ahead of us. And uh, if you joined us the first week, um, you'll remember a little bit of the story. And if you didn't join us, I'm going to tell you a little bit about where we have been so far. We've been in this epic story that has been unfolding In week number one, we talked about the idea that we all live in a larger story, that our little stories that we live in are wrapped around this big story that's going on. And it's a story that's been going on since before time began. And we actually have a significant role to play in this story. And so we're going to be finding out a little bit about that in the weeks to come. And we found that you can't really understand a story until you know some of the characters that are in that story. And you can't really understand those characters until you get to know those characters a little bit better and hear their story. So last week, we looked at the main character of the story. We looked at God himself. We got to meet him and understand that he is really the author of the story. And it's actually his story. It's not our story. It's all about him. He's the one in the story that always does what is good, right, and and perfect. And I encourage you to remember that and take that with you always. The only one in the story that always does what is good, right, and perfect. We understand that he was a very caring God, a personal God when he started creation. We understood last week that he exists as three in one. Anybody understand that this week that God just revealed something brand new to you, the three in one thing? All right. Hey, so we've got some new insight here. Awesome. You know, it's a mystery that God exists as three in one, and yet God teaches that the Trinity is a subject that I love deeply. It's a subject that fascinates me all the time. And so in our journey, the more we understand that God exists in community, that God has never been alone, never been by himself. God has always existed in a deep love relationship. It's a fascinating subject for us to to understand. But we'll understand that a little bit more as the story unfolds. Today, we are going to get to know another significant character in the story. We get to meet our villain in the story, all right? So we take a twist in the story, the enemy of God and the enemy of all humanity. Now, there should be some Bibles that have been placed around you, and I encourage you to grab one of those. We're going to be looking at a lot of uh, scriptures this morning, and uh, so I encourage you to have a Bible if you like tracking there. Um, If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, would you raise your hand, and we've got some folks that will run around and get you a Bible, make sure you have one of those. If you don't have a Bible of your own, please feel free to take one of these Bibles with you. These are Bibles that we make available. They're our gift to you. 
If you've got somebody at home that you know that might like one, take one and give it to them. Please use these Bibles and track along with us today. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue on with the journey today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, Lord, for this epic story that is unfolding all around us. Lord, even today in this very moment, there are parts of the story that are happening, and we have a significant role to play in the story. And so, Lord, today as we meet a new character in the story, I pray that you would open our eyes to the reality of his existence. Teach us. Our hearts are open. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so our story has a villain. It's hard to imagine a story without a villain, isn't it? You know, think about some of those intricate stories that we all know. You know, it's hard to imagine Batman without the Joker. You know, it's hard to imagine Superman without Lex Luthor. Um, Kryptonite, yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine, you know, these incredible stories without some sense of evil or some enemy or, or something that has to be overcome. Think back to your childhood and answer this question for me. What were some of the villains that you were afraid of when you were little? Well, mom, somebody said mom. Yes, mom can be a very frightening villain if you're not doing what you need to do. What was that? Teachers, okay. Defeat, okay. What else? What other villains in stories that you are aware of? The boogeyman. Chucky, wow, yeah. Wicked Witch of the West, yes. Oh, and those monkeys. Remember the flying monkeys? Oh, they were just too freaky for me. What else? The Grinch, okay. Anybody else? The thing, Darth Vader. All right, so, you know, when you start off little, you got the big bad wolf coming at you. You got the troll. I used to run from uh, my kitchen when we lived in Missouri. I would run from my kitchen to the threshold of my bedroom door and jump as hard and as high as I could to make it to my bed because, you know, that guy that lives under the bed that might, you get too close and snag you and pull you under, he frightened me. I didn't see him in any movie or story, but I knew that he lived there. My protection was my sheet. If you held it up over your head, he didn't know you were there. So it was, it was kind of an invisible shield. All right, uh, in middle school, I watched the movie The Shining. Anybody seen that one? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't one of my finer moments. Um, we actually lived in an apartment building that used to be a hotel that looked a lot like that building. And so I would walk home at night from my friend's home, and I would open a door, a long hallway, and I would just envision two little boys standing in front of me. And it was a horrible experience. So I'll try not to re- revisit that. What are some of your favorite villains today? Some of those, you know, villains that you love to hate kind of a thing. You know, you're glad they're there, but you really don't like them. The Joker. The Joker. Yeah. The, the Dark Knight Joker. He was, yeah, kind of a weird creature there. What else? Darth Vader. You've got Darth Vader again. You've got Darth Maul and Darth Sidious if you follow that storyline. What else? What other movies are out there? What other stories that you track today that have villains in them? Congress. Congress. (laughs) All right. We're not getting into politics. There are some villains out there, though. Um, how about the Fellowship of the Ring? Any um, Lord of the Ring fans? You know, you've got uh, Dark Lord. Somebody pronounce it Sauron. Did I say that somewhat close? Um, the, the orcs, which are just weird creatures, and you got the Black Riders. Um, anybody else? Any other villain out there? 
George Bush and somebody who's a non-fan of George Bush. All right, we've put together an, uh, a villain montage. And just take a moment and watch this with us and just see if it'll remind you of some of the villains of your past. All right, every story has a villain because our story has a villain. And our villain emerges before our part in the story. Now, last week we looked at Genesis chapter 1 where we saw God beginning the work of creation. We created the universe, the galaxies, the stars, the, the sun, the moon, the planets, the earth, the animals, humanity. And as we learned last week in Genesis chapter 1, it's not the beginning of the story. We understood last week that the actual beginning of the story happens in John chapter 1 uh, where it reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when we go back to Genesis 1, we have God the Father, we have God the Son, we have God the Holy Spirit all there together beginning to create creation. Now in the book of Job, chapter 38, God asks this man named Job this, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations? And who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? So we've got in Genesis, we've got God there beginning the work of creation. And we have an audience of angels that are there. So the angels are God's first creation. We've got angels there watching as God begins this work. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, we can only imagine what that moment must have been like. We can only imagine what it must have been like to be there, to watch God open his mouth and speak, and then light to come on to the scene. It, I can only imagine to, to be one of the angels. And so what we're going to do this morning, just for a moment, is to take a look at some of these pictures from the Hubble telescope. And just I asked you, just spend a few moments just imagining what it must have been like to hang out with God and watch him do his thing of creation. So watch this with me. You know, it's really humbling to see some of those images. You know, just imagine if you were there watching and God speaks, and this stuff that we've just seen pops onto the scene. And you see how powerful God is and how creative he is. And so I can only imagine the angels are all hanging out, high-fiving each other, you know, wow, did you just see that? Did you just see what God did there? How cool was that? Oh, wait, he's going to do another one. Wow, did you see that over there? Watch what God did. And so the angels are shouting for joy. They're celebrating what God is doing as he creates And while that's happening, something terrible happens. Something horrible happens in that moment. There's this darkness that slithers into our story in this incredible moment. And a villain is born. There's a being in our story that has the same heart of Dark Lord Sauron in the Lord of the Rings story. A being that has poured his cruelty, his malice, and his will to dominate the earth into every action that he takes. A villain that starts in the most unusual of places. And we've put together 
a dramatic reading video that we're going to now play for you. And what I want you to do is listen carefully to this. And I know I'm going to tap into some of your uh, brain cells that maybe haven't been tapped into in a little while. So I need you to listen, pay attention to the story as it unfolds. Because I'm going to ask you some questions about it when we get to the end. Life is a story. A story about a being called God who has always existed. God is the creator of all things, including the earth and everything living. God is the only character in the story of life who always does what is good and right and perfect. The Bible uses words like love, grace, holy, and righteous to describe God. When God began the work of creating everything that exists, God started with beings called angels. The most beautiful of all the angels that God created was named Lucifer, which means bright morning star. Lucifer was not only the most beautiful angel, but was known as the angel of light. As God began the work of creating the stars, galaxies, and planets, the angels sang songs of praise to God for his awesome display of power and creativity. Every angel watched in awe, except for one. When Lucifer saw the other angels praising God, he became jealous and said in his heart, I want to be worshipped like that. I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars, and I will be like God. Then Lucifer went and convinced a third of the angels to worship and follow him. Although Lucifer had seen God's power in creation and had experienced God's love, he led the fallen angels, also known as demons, in a rebellion against God. All rebellion against God and his ways is called sin. God knew what Lucifer was thinking and doing. Because of God's perfect goodness, evil is never allowed to remain in his presence. So God showed his disapproval of Lucifer and his followers by casting them into darkness. Like a flash of lightning, they fell down to the earth. Lucifer's name changed. Instead of being known as the bright morning star, he was now known as Satan, which means adversary. Hatred still burns in Satan's heart towards God and all of God's creation. The Bible describes Satan as the prince of this world and as a roaring lion roaming around the earth seeking whom he may devour. Satan has determined to use everything within his power to keep humanity from being restored to God. The epic battle against Satan and his demons rages around us every day. All right, hopefully you were able to track with that a little bit at least. I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to ask for your participation as well. So how was God described in this story? What do you remember of that? Love and grace. grace. Words like love and grace and holy and righteous were used to describe God. How else was he described? Perfect. Okay. What else do you remember? God that always existed, has always existed, created everything, has always done what is, three things, good, right, and perfect. Great, great. Now, what was his relationship like with his creation? What was God's relationship like with his creation? What did you hear in this story? What was that? Loving? Loving? What else? Anything else? Caring? Forgiving? Close? Okay. We seem close there. And we've got, now put some of those together. So we've got God creating and we've got all the angels shouting for joy. 
I mean, they're cheering, they're, they're happy, they're excited, they're blown away about what's going on. So we, it seems like there's a pretty good relationship. Now, if you remember from last week, what do you remember from last week, God's interaction with humanity? That would make a connection there with how God treated and what God thought about his creation. What does he do when it comes to creating us? He creates us in his image. Creates us in his image? Good. What was that? Time and detail, yeah, there was, a, there, was, there was this moment, if you remember in the story, God spoke all these things into existence, and then we get to this part in the story, God stops and he puts his hands on us. So we've got a picture of a very caring, a very loving God. Now, who was Lucifer, and what did his name mean? Who, who was he? he was the, his, his name meant bright morning star. He was the most beautiful angel. All right, so get that who he is, all right? So Ezekiel chapter 28, starting in verse 12, is a passage that we're going to read there. And if you want to track along with us, we've got a page number for the Bibles that we have here. So Ezekiel 28, starting in verse 12, it says this. And if you're not able to keep up with some of the stuff that we're reading today, when you go online later today, you'll be able to find all the verses that we've used today as well as some other deeper notes. It says this, You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelian, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue-green, uh, I'm going to skip that one, onyx, green jasper, I'll skip the next one too, blue something, turquoise, and emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless and all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. So what happened in Lucifer's heart as the other angels were praising God? Jealousy. Yeah, there's this jealous thing that started happening in him. There was this, this pride thing. Now listen to, as we continue on in Ezekiel chapter uh, 28, starting in verse 16. Your rich commerce, another translation says, your great wealth, led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, almighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all of your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted, corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. Anybody ever think that winning the lotto will solve all your problems? All right, so we have in this moment, we've got Lucifer who has everything that he could, should have ever wanted. He had it all. He had position, he had power, he had, had possession, he had it all. But it wasn't enough. He didn't have enough, and he wanted more. So how did Lucifer sin against God in this story? All right, there was a bunch all at the same time. That was great. Do it again. He went against his word. He got greedy. He got rebellious. Is, is that what you said? He wanted his power. Jealous. He wanted his power. 
all that stuff. So there's this pride that swells up in his heart. He's not content. God's, God put him in this position, the best position he ever could have had. God placed him there. And he said, it's not okay. I want more. I got to have more. And so he goes around and he tries to convince a third of the angels of heaven, he does convince them, to follow him and rebel against God. Listen to Isaiah chapter 14, starting in verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. And then listen to Revelation chapter 12, starting in verse 7. Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Why do you think that God did not just annihilate Satan and his demons in that moment? I mean, why? I mean, he could have. I mean, think about it. In that moment, he sees this rebellion. He sees that Satan, Lucifer is going around and, and convincing a third of the angels to follow him. Why didn't God just, you know, if I were God, that's probably what I would have done. And just, you're gone. Okay, we'll start over. We'll give your position to someone else. Why do you think God did not do that? To see what his creation would do? Someone said free will. He is forgiving. All right, so we're learning a little bit more about our God. What else do we know about our God? He is the only one that always does three things. Forever loves. He always does what is good, right, and perfect. So somehow, I don't understand it, don't fully grasp it, but somehow him not annihilating them in that moment is good, right, and perfect. And he leaves this tension in our story. He leaves this villain in our story. So what does this story tell us about God? What are you learning about God from this story so far? He's forgiving, loving. What was that? He's perfect. He's a powerful creator. So he's got all power in the universe. He's a jealous God. He's a gracious God. There's this thing called free will that we humans have gotten, and apparently the angels were given as well. This choice to follow God or not, they get the ability to choose. Anything else that you've learned about God? He's patient. There's also this punishment thing, this discipline thing. For, for those that do wrong, you know, there's this, there's this part of him that, in the story, I don't know if you remember hearing it, but it said, um, God could not allow sin to remain in his presence, and so he dealt with sin accordingly. And so there's this, you know, loving parental discipline thing that, that happens in God. So we live in this world that has two parts. It's got a part that we can see and a part that we cannot see. 
And we are urged through our story to put more faith and more trust and more hope and more reality in the part that we cannot see than the part that we can see. We're taught in this story to to realize that the part that we cannot see is more real and more dangerous than the part that we can see. There is this evil in the world, and it birthed out of the heart of Satan, and it's an evil that has infiltrated the hearts of humanity. It's infiltrated us when we want to be in that place like he did, when we want to set our throne above God's throne. People not content to serve the king, people that want to be the king, people that want to be served. You know, when it comes to Satan and Lucifer, there's several camps of people. There are people that don't give him enough attention, and there are people that give him way too much attention, I think. So for those who don't give him enough attention, listen to how the Bible describes this character in the story. In John chapter 12, it calls him the ruler of this world. John chapter 8, he's called the murderer, the hater of truth, the father of lies. In 2 Peter 5, 8, it says, He is our great enemy, and he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. It's kind of a scary image there. Hebrews chapter 2 says he has the power of death. All right, so Satan is the prince of this world and is a very powerful being. But with all of his power that he has, that God gave him and let remain with him, when he banished him from heaven, Satan knows that he cannot defeat God. He can't. And so his purpose on this earth is to destroy what God has created and what God loves, to destroy humanity. That's his purpose. So every day, Satan launches an all-out attack on humanity. Every day, he's filled with hatred for anyone that serves God. The interesting thing about Satan is he hates everyone, whether you serve God or you serve Satan. Satan hates you. The interesting thing about God is God loves everyone, whether you serve him or hate him. He loves everyone. And so every day, Satan recruits people around the world to join him in destroying humanity destroying the thing that God loves. And really think about it. Um, We don't have to look very far to see how effective he has been. He's been extremely effective around the world throughout history. And a group called Lincoln Park has put together a video that shows how humanity has joined Satan in his attempt to destroy ourselves. Take a look at this video. From death to disease to destruction, Satan has been very active around the world. And you only have to flip on your TV at night to watch the news, to watch uh, marital conflict and family breakups and drug abuse and selfishness and addiction and pornography and abuse of all kinds that are just hard to even imagine. You know, every problem in the world can be traced back to evil and sin. Every problem in the world, if you think about it. But it doesn't just come from Satan. James chapter 1, starting in verse 14, it says this. Temptation comes from our own evil desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. 
we're tempted to think that evil comes from some other place. It comes from you know, some other being or, or something outside of our control or beyond our ability to comprehend. But the truth is that evil comes from within us. You know, Satan does his work of destroying humanity and inviting us to join him, but the reality is he doesn't have to work very hard to convince us. We're convinced pretty easily. We're born that way. We're born sinful. We're born with a desire to do wrong. You know, out of my four kids, I've never had to teach my four kids to do wrong. They just do it. It's natural. If you have kids, you kind of know what that's like. We have this inborn thing that says, I want to be like God. I'm not content with what I have. It's not enough. God, what you've placed in my world, the, the family that I have, the job that I have, the, the home that I have, the friends that I have, they're not enough. I want more. I want more possession. The sad thing about our story is that sometimes I'm the villain. Sometimes you're the villain. You know, sometimes I'm the one that's destroying humanity around me. Sometimes I'm very active in hurting the people around me that I love. You know, Jesus said these real radical things in the Bible, like hating someone is as bad as murdering them. It's a pretty big statement. And he said something like lusting after someone else's spouse or lusting after someone other than your spouse is it as bad as having an affair with that person. There's some radical statements. You know, the reality is sometimes I'm the one that's the villain. You know, just recently my wife um, and I got into some conflict and she was bringing up some subjects that needed to change in our relationship and I didn't like it. So I decided a good uh, plan of attack would be that I would not talk to her for the day. Um, if you've ever tried that, it's not really effective. And it was pretty childish and pretty sad that I would stoop to that. But I did. In that moment, she made me mad. And so I said some things that I shouldn't have said. I hurt her in ways that I shouldn't have hurt her. And then I punished her by not talking to her. It's pretty sad that I would do that. But that comes from within me. And what do you do? What's your thing? What's, what's the, the way that you interact with the world around you? You know, and many times the evil that's around us that needs to be confronted is the evil that's in us, is the sin that, that births out from within our own hearts. And just to remind you of a few things, for those of you who are tempted to give Satan too much attention, you know, some, that we see him everywhere and he's got too much power. Let's just be reminded of a few things. That Satan is no match for God. Evil is no match for our creator. That Satan was created by God. God is more powerful. So God created him and will punish him accordingly. And people have this often weird idea that God and Satan are co-equals that they both have the same amount of power, and that's not true. There's no one that can compare to God's power. So Satan is no match for God, and he will be punished in God's time. There is no hope for Satan. He's a defeated enemy. But the question for us remains today, as we're kind of wrapping up the service here, is what will we do about the evil around us? What will we do 
about the sin that we see that is around us? And more importantly, what will we do about the sin that comes from within us? The evil that rises up from within who we are. Will we contribute to the problem or will we join God and fight the problem? Will we help preserve humanity or will we destroy humanity? Now I'm going to ask Luke to come back up and he's going to help us in this final moment here. Tie us back to the truth of God, of who God is. Be reminded of God's power and his love and that he always does what is good and right and perfect. And I'm going to pray for a moment and then when I'm finished, then he's going to guide us in that closing song. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you so much that you are creator God and you are powerful beyond anything that we can imagine. And yet, God, there is this evil in the world. And Lord, so often we're tempted to put it somewhere else. Well, it happens in somebody else's household or it happens around the world somewhere else other than in our own neighborhood and in our own houses and stemming from even me. That sometimes, God, I'm your enemy. Sometimes I shake my little fist in your face like a little kid at his parent and I say, I want more. Not content with what you've given me. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy that you pour out for us every day because we are so frail and so fragile and so often we forget who you are and we forget who we are. Tie us back to your truth, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.